Thank you for joining Associated Luxury Hotels International for another episode of Beyond the Meeting Room, hosted by Alhai's president and CEO, Michael Dominguez. Each episode, Alhai hosts candid conversations on a variety of topics to enhance your personal and professional life. Today's conversation is sponsored by Kinsley Meetings, an event management company that offers comprehensive meeting and planning services from start to finish. We welcome Peter Shala, president and COO of Delos. Delos is a company committed to enhancing health and well-being in the spaces we live, work, sleep, play, and meet. Mike and Peter discuss wellness coming out of a global pandemic and share personal stories of their experiences as avid travelers. All righty. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. This is Michael Dominguez. I'm the president and CEO of Associated Luxury Hotels, and this is the first of our podcast series to really take a look at different issues and different thought leadership perspectives that impact our industry and, and actually impact the, uh, the broader world. And uh, I'm, I couldn't be more excited than to welcome our guest, uh, Peter Scalia. <laughs> Did I get it right, Peter, or no? Close enough. <laughs> I, I, to introduce Peter, who is our president and COO of uh, Delos Living and somebody that I've known for a long period of time. And uh, candidly, somebody that um, has always educated me and excited me during conversations. So that's why I couldn't be more excited than to have you here. Thank you, Mike. It's a great pleasure to be uh, with you again today. And uh, hello to our audience. Yeah, thank you, Peter. I'm lucky you and I go back to, and I, I always share with uh, people when uh, we started with some of these conversations, you, you had been doing work with us when I was at MGM and we were learning a lot about uh, stay well. And I, I not only got educated at that time about wellness, but became what I said, a junkie. Uh, and, and a disciple of the work you guys do. And, and I mean that sincerely, uh, which forced me to research, forced me to understand. Um, but, you know, I, I always think it's important, and, and I'd love for uh, you to share first and foremost uh, with the group what's important about you and your organization, what you do. As I've always said, everything you do revolves around science and the science of well-being, not, not I always say, a marketing campaign. Uh, your, yours is really looking at the science and how it impacts and I think evolves, but can you tell a little bit, uh, uh, tell the audience a little bit about what that looks like and, and what you guys do? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we uh, looked at uh, two disciplines, really, the, the building sciences and the health sciences. Uh, and until uh, we noticed a real vacuum in thought back in 2012, those disciplines had never converged before. I can remember some of the early conversations uh, right after we uh, we formed the initiative where we had doctors and architects around the same table. Um, and as we saw them start to engage, we realized, you know, this is probably the first time that these groups are having professional dialogue, right? Of course, they socialize, but to, to, to see doctors and architects start to have dialogue around the types of things that can be done in any setting, indoors, four walls and a roof, um, it was exciting. Uh, and it was profound uh, because, you know, our observation, as the world knows now, we spend over 90% of our time indoors. Right. Our homes, our schools, our offices, our hotels. Um, and that indoor environment is having a profound impact on human health and well-being. Um, and so we set out to examine, A, what are the correlations between what the indoor environment is doing and the human body from a scientific perspective? Uh, and then how can we measure and validate and improve those settings 
um, through studies and research. Um, early on, uh, we actually built a laboratory adjacent to the hospital in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, in a collaboration with the Mayo Clinic. Uh, and in this laboratory, we simulate live settings. So, in, you know, a, a bedroom setting versus a, a hotel room setting, a commercial office setting and really started to test the correlation between a number of different things. You know, um, the, the ideas were, can we examine the effect that air pollution has on cognition? Um, and of course, more recently, you know, air quality on immune health. Uh, can we examine the effect that lighting has on productivity, on jet lag, on um, our ability to get high quality sleep? Uh, what is the uh, relationship between noise and stress levels? What is the relationship between um, temperature and heart rate variability? So, so, so you, you, you see the, the, the thought was, let's get these two sciences, the health sciences and the building sciences, to converge. Uh, let's learn uh, what that means, uh, and then let's put it into practice and, and try to educate the industry um, and establish standards and establish solutions and technology to, to address that. Uh, so it, it's, been a, it's been a real... Um, fun exercise for sure. And then more recently, um, obviously with the outset of the pandemic, I think people, uh, you know, don't need to be taught anymore that wellness and real estate settings uh, should uh, converge. Uh, and that, right. um, you know, look, what we breathe matters. What we touch matters. How we convene as groups, it matters uh, to our human health and well-being. Not just from a the risk of transmission of pathogen concern, right? Um, but but equally, um, uh, our overall health and well-being, and our productivity, and our performance. Uh, so that's uh, deeply rooted in science. It needs to be deeply rooted in science. Separating fact from fiction is more important now than ever uh, because there's lots of claims out there in the marketplace, and we need to make sure that those are valid claims. I, I had to smile because, you, you know, I, I think over the years of we, we've become friends and, and I'm laughing when you say, how, how does uh, noise uh, impact stress levels? I go, so how's the new baby, Peter? And let's talk about noise and stress levels. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It actually went through my head when you said that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, the whole category of the whole category of sleep has a brand new meeting for, for me. She's uh, <laughs> five months old. She's doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's good to know. And congratulations again. Thank hey, um, everything you were talking about, I, I can tell you the, the piece that I was most fascinated about uh, where you, you, you know, you always hear that you had me at hello. Uh, you had me at Sar circadian rhythm. Mm. Um, but when I heard that and understood about light and the impact specifically in meeting environments and in buildings and understanding that, uh, you, you know, I, 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 I try to summarize, I'm never as eloquent as you when you're saying these things, but I always tell people, you, you know why you're tired after eight hours? Cause you're sitting in a crappy yellow light for eight hours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was the best way I could phrase it, but I'd love for you to explain a little more sure. about how important lighting is and why, and as, as what I have picked up from you, you know, to mental acuity and engagement and what that means. Sure. Um, I just think that's fascinating. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think the, the most fascinating part about the whole category of light is, is most of science, um, you know, is, is reasonably well established. Now, of course, there's advancements every day and we continue to go further and further. But categorically, the notion that air quality um, has an effect on your respiratory system 
I mean, that's not a novel idea, right? We, we, we as a human race, uh, we've been aware of that for decades, if not much, much, much longer. Um, but the field of circadian science and the notion that light actually affects the body uh, is, uh, is relatively new. And in scientific terms, 15 years is brand new. Wow. And it was really only about 10 to 15 years ago that, that scientists and doctors discovered that our eyes are not just vehicles for seeing. Our eyes are also vehicles for telling our body what time of day it is. And based on what time of day it is, you know, there are things that happen inside our body, the production of cortisol, the production secretion of melatonin, um, that have an effect on our mood, on our energy levels, on the quality of our sleep. Um, you know, melatonin treatment has become a little more mainstream, so I think people recognize that. But at the end of the day, there is a circadian optic nerve um, that uh, regulates uh, that hormone production and things in our body. And it relates to the kind of light, the temperature of that light, the intensity of that light, and even the angle at which that light is entering our eyes, uh, because your eyes are thinking that there's sunlight and there's a sunrise and then at high noon it's a real white-ish bright 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 light and then as you see the sunset it becomes more of an amber glow and then of course overnight complete darkness right that's what our bodies are used to so when are we supposed to have energy we're supposed to have the most energy right smack in the middle of the day so in the morning hours and as the sun rises and that would be a real bright white tone uh, with a lot of as they say in scientific terms a lot of that blue light uh, the right. blue part of the spectrum uh, and then as the sun sets uh, our bodies do different things you know you, you're supposed to prepare to digest food and then of course you want to sleep in complete darkness so if you think of a 24-hour circadian cycle and that your eyes are telling our body what time of day it is and then imagine yourself in a home setting we're at 11 o'clock at night we're staring at either iphones ipads um, you know smart devices televisions or even artificial light that is very, very bright. Well, our eyes are telling our body at that point, maybe 11 p.m. at night, 20 minutes before you're trying to go to sleep, that, hey, it's, uh, it's 11 a.m. That's the kind of light I'm getting inside and you know, that we're reading in our, our eyes right now. So therefore, boost the cortisol. Don't secrete melatonin. It's not time to go to sleep. For the last 100 years or so, you know, we built these boxes and introduced artificial light to our body, and we've been walking around like it's a constant twilight. We get right. way too much light indoors at night, okay? And we get far too little daylight during the day, and that is not good. That's not healthy. Um, science has proven that it, that makes us susceptible to long-term disease. Uh, the American Medical Association has often declared that the wrong kind of lighting especially from indoor artificial light um, can be carcinogenic. Um, so these are serious consequences over time as it relates to health impacts and susceptibility to long-term chronic diseases. But also they have an immediate impact on how you feel right, right now. The way you sleep tonight, Michael, is going to be dependent on that kind of light that's above your head right now. Right. And that will affect your sleeping patterns this evening and your energy levels. And if we get that out of whack, um, then that's not healthy. That's not good. That's not productive. So thankfully, uh, with LED lighting and full spectrum lighting, we can simulate the sun patterns and do that indoors. 
we can simulate a sunrise, which is a better way to wake up than a nasty alarm clock that shocks the body before your mind wakes up, right? Um, and, and so it's exciting. It's exciting to see technology kept, catch up with the science and allow us to express ourselves in a way that we can mimic a 24-hour cycle indoors uh, and, uh, and, and stop harming the body in that regard. So light, light is, is a big one. And, and right. I, when we noticed, you know, when we dove into the science and realized that there was something there categorically, uh, we said there's so much more to the architectural influence that buildings are having on our body than, than, than we would ever have dreamed of. And, and, and we wanted to continue to advance that notion. Yeah, I'll never forget uh, because in our stay well rooms, we had the mirrors that went blue and yeah. yellow, yeah, depending yeah. on time of day. But I'll never forget when you explained that to me, you said that blue light is better than any two shots of coffee you'll ever have. <laughs> and, and that's how I explain it to people. And I, I know this is simplistic, but when I tell them, that were to your point about us being in boxes i always said you know if you think about the sky most days are blue and all sunsets are yellow and orange mm -hmm. and and it's that, that it's always been my reference point i go that's mother nature's way uh, of telling telling us you know what, what time it really is sure um, that's right. but i find that fascinating i don't care where you are in the world you know um sky's going to be blue and our sunsets are going to be yellow and orange that's correct. That's correct. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Pete, Peter, tell us a little bit about, um, I, I know a little bit about this, but I think our audience would be interested on the International uh, Well Building Institute and mm -hmm. your involvement in it. And I know we've moved into a rating system, but I think it's an important place to start is what was the institute and what was the purpose and why was it put together? Excellent. You know, um, so after we we started to really gather a lot of thought leadership uh, from lots of different organizations uh, and, and the research that we were doing internally, um, we said it, it would be probably a good idea to take a look at the um, the industry of standards and certification and examine if there is a void to fill as it relates to health and wellness. And uh, as we peeled back the onion, we uncovered lots of rating systems for real estate and buildings. But predominantly, and in fact, at that point, um, uh, uniformly across the board, they were focused on energy efficiency. It was right. all about environmental health. So if you go back to 2012, 2013, uh, LEED is, is probably the most prominent manifestation of the green building movement. It's a LEED certification, it's a seal on the building uh, that rewards buildings for not using a lot of energy. Uh, and, and that's very important. And that's a terrific movement. And they made great strides in making sure that, you know, that started to get, you know, into code uh, standard practices. And thankfully now, energy efficiency um, has uh, been economically priced to the point where if you do the right things, you can um, return that capital investment over time with energy savings. Now, of course, the artifact of that is a lower carbon footprint and just better environmental health. Um, but as we looked at the set of standards offered to the industry with LEED and, and, and a number of different programs, we said, okay, well, there's a real vacuum in thought here. There's, there's no way to measure, validate, reward, or even improve buildings uh, for their effect, not only on environmental health, but on human and biological health. So the, the green building movement was a, a sustainability effort for the environment. And we said, how about biological or human sustainability as a complement to that, not, not to compete, as a complement to that. Uh, and so uh, we did form the International Well Building Institute, which is a uh, public benefit corporation as a subsidiary of Delos. Uh, and we put all of this science and all of these protocols, um, a prescription, if you will, for, for, for buildings into the public domain. The well building standard is a 
public document. Uh, and in order for buildings to achieve well certification, they have to undergo uh, a review documentation review of everything that can be examined as it relates to policies and protocols and procedures and then an on-site performance verification uh, where air quality is tested water quality is tested ambient sound levels are tested uh, and if buildings achieve that uh, then they get a designation called well certified uh, at different levels thankfully mm -hmm. that's proliferated uh, to uh, i think as of this morning we just had a to 5,000 projects in over 60 countries around the world pursuing or having already achieved well certification. And then, boom, the pandemic hits and, and, and the industry started to ask us questions. They started to say, we know well certification. We get it. That's, that's wonderful. And uh, covering all broad wellness categories, circadian lighting and acoustics and so on and so forth. Um, even things like mindful wellness uh, and whatnot, because that's, that's just as important as everything we're describing. Um, but then the industry said, can you provide a distinct designation within the well family, within the International Well Building Institute, that is a seal on the front door of a building that says COVID-free certified environment or something like that, right? And so uh, obviously our, our natural response to that was, well, no, <laughs> unless you have a COVID-free population, um, you're not going to have a COVID-free environment and a certification that would make that representation is, is not, not accurate. Um, however, what we can do is look at the great efforts being done, of course, by health organizations like the CDC, WHO, NIH, uh, and then equally industry organizations that have done a wonderful job aggregating best practices and, and, and protocols as it relates to responding to pathogen concerns. Uh, and we can take a look at what's been put in place and do our traditional documentation review. So third party review of these practices to make sure that A, they've been mapped correctly to the guidelines from, from health organizations and, and industry best practices, uh, and B, uh, that they've been verified to have been put in place. Um, at the outset of the pandemic, we formed a task force uh, chaired by the 17th Surgeon General of the U.S., Richard Carmona, uh, leading minds, scientists, doctors, virologists, building health experts, uh, and that was a group of over 500 people that set out to make sure that this new concern related to viruses and pathogen transmission was appropriately in incorporated into the evolving well building standard, uh, but then also to make sure that we were introducing the latest and greatest of what science has to say about how to reduce the transmission risk. Uh, and that means social distancing, that's of course cleaning and maintenance protocols, emergency response, uh, things like that. Uh, and it all shaped the well health safety rating, which was our response to the industry. We said industry, whether you're a hotel, whether you're a stadium, whether you're a restaurant, um, whether you're a retail store uh, or a school, um, you know, and many other typologies. You've got these practices that you've put in place. Uh, excellent. All right. They've been informed by guidelines from CDC and, and other organizations. Fantastic. Uh, let's make sure that we can introduce a pathway for third-party verification that they've been mapped correctly to the science and that they've actually been put in place covering the categories that are necessary and then award a designation. The well health safety rating uh, is something that can be displayed on the front entrance of a building, provided they've gone through that process. And it really does not involve any architectural upgrades. Right. Um, so there's not a heavy CapEx involved. This is about the policies and protocols related to a response to COVID uh, and not duplicative of anything that's done in the industry, but a way for an organization to say we've done something uh, 
We've had a third party check to make sure that that is correct in the science uh, and effective. Um, and then of course, um, you know, socialize that to, to their audience, their employees, their guests, uh, their consumers, uh, and all of their stakeholders that this has been done. That third party check we felt was something that was missing. Uh, we certainly felt that that's what the International Well-Building Institute has been doing all over the world for the right. better part of the last decade. And so we, 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 we introduced something that we feel is very additive to that process, the well health safety rating. You, you know, you, um, it's interesting because you said something and I, 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 it's something I keep pushing in our weekly updates and such. And when you're like, people were saying, can you make this COVID free? And you're like, no. <laughs> um, I, I think it's important as an industry as well. And even what you're talking about, um, that there's a shared responsibility here. Um, all we can do is reduce risk. Yes. Uh, whether we're an organization, a building, a hotel, a restaurant, as you said, all typologies. Um, I think it's important for a traveler, a consumer, for just the general public to understand that, that we can set up the most risk-free environments we possibly can, mm -hmm. but if they don't follow the protocol and what we're asking them to do on their side of it and their responsibility, it's all for naught. That's right. Am I mistaken in that statement or is that accurate? No, that's absolutely right. Uh, there is no one solution that covers all. Um, you've got to attack this from all angles. And, and, and of course, you know, architectural considerations for, for air purification are good. Um, uh, surface cleaning practices and protocols, which is really the, 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 the center of gravity, if you will, for the, the health safety rating, they're good. Uh, but you can do the most wonderful things to your indoor space. Uh, you can put the best practices in place. You can put the you know, the best uh, upgrades and technology and, and, and cleaning practices in place. The missing element there that, you know, is harder to address is human behavior, yeah. right? And so, so, you know, you've got the building sciences and you've got the health sciences, but we're now seeing behavioral sciences converge into that dialogue in a way that is just as important. When we talk to a lot of corporations, uh, they, they, they may, you know, have a perfect plan for opening back their offices uh, or their hotels, um, mm -hmm. but you really have to focus on the human behavior and, and having some conversations uh, about that, you know, that is as, is as important as anything else um, and, and educating people and, and making sure that not only were best practices installed, but that they have been digested by people. Mm -hmm. It only takes one or two bad actors in a space and they may not be bad people, but they might just not know that they're putting everybody else at risk by their behavior. So, so it's, it's a confluence of everything. And I think your statement is a bullseye, Michael, this, this really has to be as much evidence as possible that says, you know, that, that from the science, as much, you know, implementation of policies and protocols and validation along the way helps um, along with, uh, with education, which is so important. Yeah. You know, you talk about human behavior. I also talk about cultural, and for, you know, human stubbornness and yes. growing up in a Hispanic family, I mean, you have to drag my dad to a doctor yeah. and, and to think about, hey, you need to do this to be healthy right. and, 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 and to have a better well experience. It's not in his nature, right. um, but, but we've had to work through it. And, yeah. and that's your point. Now, how do you do that in a mass population? Uh, we do it with what we're doing right here. How do we continue to educate and continue to spread that message? But uh, I get a kick out of it because my mom's the opposite. Mom will go to the doctor immediately. Not, not a problem. And right. I, I have had to, I have had to correct mom though, that, you know, she, she's one like you're studying for a test. If she's going to get her blood work done, 
she cleans up everything for 90 days. I go, that's not the point. You're supposed to really know where you're at. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And at least he goes. I can't even get dad there. So it's all yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, my father uh, was born in Italy and my mom was born in, uh, in Holland. Uh, and uh, somewhat of a similar dynamic. I can tell you that my father is of that old school mentality. Of, you know, I, I, this is the way I'm going to live my life and I'm proud of it. And, and with a lot of integrity, of course. Um, yeah. But you got to repeat the, the 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 training of some things that really matter. They matter. They matter to your to, to your health, and without our health, we're nothing. Yeah, my my dad reminds me because I go, Dad, I want to live longer. He goes, Your grandfather lived to ninety two. Your grandmother lived to eighty nine. How much longer do you want to live? We have a good bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And interestingly enough, on that point, um, you know, if you think about everything that affects our our, our lifespan and our health and our and our, our longevity. Um, a lot of it, a bigger percentage than you would imagine, uh, has to do with the environmental concerns that we introduce. You know, there's a portion that's genetic. It's a small portion. There's a a uh, a, a bigger portion, a much bigger portion uh, that is related to you know what we put in our bodies um, and how we behave. Uh, so it's it's interesting in that regard. Hey, um, I, I wanted to focus on a couple of other things that we we've talked about and. You really, uh, you really connected with me when you were talking to our planner community about um, our immune system and not and reminding ourselves that a healthy immune system matters. Um, some suggestions, and this is where there's kind of two questions in one, to kind of educate the this audience on your involvement, your organization's involvement with the Cleveland Clinic. Mayo Clinics, Cleveland specifically with nutrition and such, uh, and then tying that in, uh, Peter, for a traveler, an attendee, for us when we're on the road, yes. uh, one, the importance of a, keeping a good immune system, you know, sleep and nutrition and everything else, but also, how do, how do I be nutritious? How, how can I be better at being nutritious when I'm on the road? Uh, because yes, that's not always the easiest thing, and I know Cleveland Clinic has some great suggestions for that. They do, they do, and, and you know, we 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 try to leverage uh, an approach that's that's an open open ecosystem as it relates to thought leadership and platforms. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because we, we we talked about architectural interventions to improve the the indoor environment, broadly speaking, in wellness, but then of course acutely focused on pathogen risks and transmission. Um, we talk about policies and behaviors and protocols in the cleaning and maintenance bucket and even social distancing and emergency response. Uh, but one thing we all have to understand is that um, a, a, a disease like COVID um, and, and others, okay, this is not just about COVID-19 or, um, you know, the, the evolution of that particular strain of viruses, uh, but all viruses and all diseases, um, inevitably, uh, you know, we, we are going to have a large part of the population that contracts uh, the virus, right? And so, along with making the right adjustments indoors and making the right adjustments to policies and protocols, and making the right adjustments to behavior, okay, we covered that, uh, th those three important pillars, uh, you have to uh, accept the fact that your body's self-defense mechanism against an inevitable contraction of a virus of any kind is your immune system. And right. so we felt that, um, you know, there was so much focus on the indoor environment and policies and behaviors and cleaning. Uh, let's not ignore what is probably 
the most important element, which is supporting your body's immune health and your body's ability to fight off a disease uh, should you contract something like this. And, and so um, the science tells us there are so many things that uh, drive uh, an effective immune system. Uh, and, and two of the most important categories um, are nutrition uh, and stress. And I would put sleep right into that bucket, right? So if we want to reduce our stress, we want to increase the quality of our sleep and the amount of sleep we have um, uh, given our bodies a chance to recover. And then, of course, what we're putting into our body, right? Those three pillars are, are, are very important. And if we looked at coaching and if we looked at, you know, access to healthy foods, you know, in, in the hotel setting, we never prescribe taking a, a cheeseburger off the menu, all right, because life is about balance. We, we get that, right? But having access to foods that um, do have uh, a, a rich ingredient of minerals and nutritions and vitamins uh, and, and don't harm the body uh, over a long period of time is important. So nutrition, sleep, and stress, uh, the Cleveland Clinic's done a wonderful job creating programs uh, that are accessible, that are easy, that are lifetime uh, changers, right? You know, behavioral changers with an educational element as well. Uh, and so including that into the programming as we think holistically of the designation or third-party validation of the efforts that the hotel industry has already made tremendous progress on. Great. We talked about let's get a third party to check that, review that, and to award those that are doing it so that we can inspire confidence with folks that are coming into hotels, coming into meeting spaces, that it's been verified. There's the, the, the rating or certification designation part of the equation. We talked about the architectural upgrades, which are so important, um, surface hygiene and air quality being two very prominent uh, uh, areas. Uh, you brought up lighting before, and that's, of course, extremely important, especially categorically related to sleep quality, if, if we're talking about immune system. Uh, but the programming to support the body's immune system uh, and educate and provide access to ways to reduce stress, ways to improve sleep quality, and of course, ways to ingest things into our body that are more nutritious are, are key. Uh, and, and that's a big element of the program. As we said before, you can't come at this with just one angle, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a confluence of everything together that really is going to do the trick. And then, of course, relying on the body to do what it does best uh, and giving our bodies the best chance at that. Uh, so immune health and, and programs for that are super important in that regard, Michael. Like, I, I really appreciate it because, you know, I, it, and I... I always look at things even more holistically. I, I think it's with a lot of problems. We tend to put it on what are you doing versus I, I have a responsibility in this. And mm -hmm. you know, that, that's always stuck with me. And, I, and I, I put that into a lot of different issues, not just uh, health, but remembering I have a responsibility too. Uh, you can create great environments for me, but if I don't eat right and I don't sleep right and I don't exercise, that's all for not if I'm not doing my part. And that's correct. That, that, that has always stuck with me. Like, like I said, I, I do mean it sincerely. Uh, I've become a disciple of the science and, and you've uh, hooked me uh, over a long period of time. Uh, but I really have. I, and I try to educate as much as I can uh, when I'm speaking in the industry on these because I just think it's so critically important and, and not talked about a lot. Uh, it, that's right. That's right. From a scientific standpoint. Well, you've done a great job, um, and, and you do continue to show that thought leadership uh, because as I listen to, to your message uh, broadly and, and, and your role as leader in, in an industry like this, um, you do um, include that scientific validation every chance you get, and, and, and it's really not so much to kind of preach on a category. Um, it is to help people rationalize why, right? If you can teach them why, 
then they can change their behavior. And changing behavior is a hard thing to do. Um, but if, uh, if, if, if we really provide the evidence and the science and try to do it in a way that you do so well, which is putting it in terms that people can understand, um, right. then, it, uh, then it resonates. So it's been a pleasure to, to, to watch, you, watch you in action. Well, I, I appreciate it, my friend. I mean, seriously, uh, everything I can do, and I, I've always said this, I, even when I was with MGM and we were really growing into the StayWell product, I, I, I used to tell people on stage, like, I, I'm not saying this to say, look at us. Yeah. I'm saying this because this is what you should be doing. That we, we are trying to show you what the future should look like. And, and, and I'm a big believer in that. I, I think that this is, this is the way of the world. Uh, even pre-COVID, I thought this was the way of the world. Now it's just front and center. Um, and that part's important. But that, that leads me to kind of a closing thought that I'd love for you to talk a little more about. You and, sure. you and sure. I started a discussion about a wellness certification, specifically around the meetings world. And, yeah. you know, I'm excited on where we're headed. Um, I know that we are very close to being able to showcasing in our meetings community a certification program or a certificate program, let me clarify, mm -hmm. a certificate program revolving around wellness and meetings and what that looks like. Can you talk yeah. a little more to that? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, this kind of takes me back to, to when you were at, at MGM because you were, you were early. Um, you were quick to recognize the importance and then you were kind of promoting that in a way that you said, you know, this isn't uh, what we are doing. This is something we should all be doing. Uh, and I think you, you, you've, you've taken the same approach when you looked at the meeting industry and through that lens um, uh, uh, inspired an idea uh, in our minds. Uh, you know, we're an organization that, that certifies real estate and buildings, right? Provides designations um, and ratings for, for policies and protocols. Um, accredits individuals that can be trained to do certain things as well. And, and, and so um, I'm excited that uh, we together have been developing an accreditation program uh, that would lead to a certificate for the meeting planner community. Um, exciting uh, proposition because, you know, this is really an engaging video series of wellness assets to first teach people what are the categories of wellness that are important, why are they important, you know, backed by the science, and then most specifically, how do we apply that to our actions, both in our personal lives, right, of course, but, but also in our professional decisions and how we're guiding our clients, consumers, and whatnot. So when you think about a meeting planner, um, I think now more than ever, and, and, and to, to your credit, right, this was an observation you made pre-COVID, right? Mm -hmm. This was something you got very excited about pre-COVID because you had the vision to think about that this in that regard. Um, but now in a post-COVID world, um, it's even more important, it's even more relevant uh, for meeting planners to be able to represent uh, that they have been trained um, by, um, you know, organizations that focus on this uh, in a way to plan meetings for corporations and, and, and other stakeholders in a way that those experiences are healthy, top to bottom. Are they going to healthy spaces? Are the meetings designed in a way that can increase productivity um, and, and improve the quality of health and well-being on the road? So important. Um, it's something that... Uh, we're launching together this summer. Uh, we look forward to doing that, and uh, and I think the uh, the industry will receive it uh, in a way that this is a distinction. This is a way to elevate my credentials as it relates to um, you know providing those kind of services. So planning healthy meetings, so many things involved, and we can't wait to to share them with everybody. Uh, like I couldn't be more excited, and you you are correct. I I've um, I, I definitely thought this is where our industry should be headed for the right reasons. And, and I love what you keep ref, uh, reflecting back on. Um, 
it's something we we're even talking about as we're doing some planning recently is you know let's explain the why not the what yes and and we tend to explain the what without the why but if you're really going to get buy-in and change behavior to your point got to explain why that's and right. that's right you, you'll learn that in a really big way in about 10, 12, 13 years when uh, <laughs> you, you have a teenager at home, you know, you'll really start to understand that. I, I've lived it. So uh, <laughs> just tell me what you have to look forward to. Mark. I'll be calling you along the way for advice. <laughs> uh, Peter, I, I just want to thank you for your time. Uh, you're always so gracious with your time and your, more importantly, your intelligence around this, this space and what we're doing. And you're always willing to share because I know you have a passion. This is I, I tell people when I describe it, this is a mission for you guys. It's not just a business. And um, I'd love to have you have some, you know, any closing thoughts for the audience uh, around that, but I uh, can't say thank you enough. No, I, I truly appreciate that. I, what I would say back, Michael, is, is that uh, you've observed that mission. Um, you've been a disciple of that mission. You are now a teacher of those disciplines yourself um, because of your keen interest in, in learning why and how can this improve. Uh, and uh, you've become part of the mission. So I'm just happy to be doing that together with you uh, and look forward to the next time we talk. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. We, we talk often, so that's easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for everybody, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we, we hope this was well received and more importantly, in, in educational and hopefully answered some whys. Uh, that, that is definitely part of the purpose of, of this entire programming. But uh, Peter, thank you again for all that you're doing to uh, ma make the world a better place and uh, appreciate the partnership. And most importantly, proud to call you a friend. Absolutely. Have a great one, sir. Right back at you, Michael. Thank you very much. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Meeting Room, presented by Associated Luxury Hotels International. Alhai is a global sales and marketing organization representing the finest luxury hotels, resorts, cruise lines, and DMCs. Follow Alhai on LinkedIn to stay connected to the latest industry news. You can learn more about Peter and Delos at Delos.com. And a special thank you to our episode sponsor, Kinsley Meetings. Our episode page links to all of our sponsors and guests. Thank you for listening.